All right, good morning. Good to see everyone here today. Glad to be together in the house of the Lord. And if you would get out your bulletins, a few announcements as we get started. On the back of your bulletins, there is a tear-off portion right here. And if you are a guest, we'd ask you to fill out that blue side and put it in the offering plate when it goes by. And uh, anything you'd like to know about Mechanicsville Baptist, we'll follow up with you on. And then on the other side, the yellow side, is a place for prayer requests at the bottom. And so we would ask you to pray for anything you may have need to pray for and put that in the offering plate as well. Lots of VBS, VBS, VBS prayer requests would be great because very excited it is VBS week. So in the back of your bulletins, it's a trick. Tonight is Bible school. Registration starts at 5.30. You do not want to miss opening. We start right at 6, even maybe a few minutes before we'll be getting the kids worked up. But right at 6 o'clock, you want to be here because we have a special guest with us this week. Former ABA basketball great Chuck Taylor will be here, everybody. So very exciting. Very, very much looking forward to having him with us all week at Bible school. He'll be helping with the kids in the opening time. So very exciting. VBS uh, starts right at 6 o'clock. And then the trick is it happens on Monday, and it does happen on Tuesday. So if you look in your bulletins and you see nothing about Bible school on Tuesday, we do have VBS on Tuesday. 5.45 is registration the rest of the week. 6 o'clock we start each night, and then we go tonight through Thursday for Vacation Bible School. Very excited about it. We thank everybody who has put in time and who has volunteered to lead all of our teams, and it's going to be a great week together. Um, also in your um, bulletins is a yellow packet booklet, and this is put together by the vision team, and we are doing, as we start off our uh, bringing our church together as one sort of concept, is we're doing a month of specific prayer emphasis for the month of August. So this will start this Wednesday, August 1st. And each week is a separate theme for each church member to pray about and read scriptures to. So together as a church body, we're going to be going through this, uh, this whole month, starting on Wednesday. The first week is all themed around discipleship. All five of these ideas were brought about in the Acts 2, 42 through 47 early church model. So each day you're going to read a scripture, meditate on that scripture, and then pray about discipleship in regards to that passage and for our church. So then week two, you'll be praying about prayer. Week three, community and fellowship. Week four is obedience, and week five is mission. So these are five essentials of the church, and we want to come together, and it's going to be a blessing. Every one of us is going to be reading the same scriptures each day. Every one of us is going to be praying over our church in those contexts each day and bringing our church together as the Spirit leads an entire month of prayer for Mechanicsville Baptist. This will be on the website before the first as well, but we would ask you to take these booklets Take them home, follow through each day. There's lots of space in there if you have notes or things that God shares you or reminds with you uh, about each day of prayer. So I would invite you to keep that with you as much as possible. And look, Jay's back with us. Praise the Lord. Good to see you, Jay. All right, so I think that is all for announcements. Tonight, 530 registration, 
VBS starts right in here at the sanctuary for opening and closing, so this is where you'll want to be by 6 o'clock. We'll see you tonight. Good morning, everyone. All righty, so it's that time where we get up and start shaking hands and giving hugs and welcoming any of our guests. Uh, we are going to be singing after you do that. We're going to be singing hymn number 18, which is Glorify Thy Name. So if you would please stand and let everybody know how happy you are to be in the house of the Lord today. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 17, Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for uh, the fullness that he is, and we thank you that we as a church are to be about Jesus. God, we thank you that uh, you desire all glory and all honor to be given to the name of Jesus, and we pray that as a church, we would glorify you in such a way. God, we lift up this service, we lift up this week of Vacation Bible School, and we do pray that you, Lord Jesus, would have first place in everything, and that you would be made known, you'd be clearly uh, made known in, in such a way that all who come, all who see, would know that you are God. God, we pray this hour your spirit lead, your spirit dwell, and that you be honored. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Once again, we're going to lift up our voices to our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, you see it says, Hymn Set. I like to call it a singspiration because we're going to join a couple of songs together. So you'll need to look at your insert, and you'll be singing to God be the glory. And immediately after that, we'll be singing Awesome God. So take that insert, and let's stand, and let's sing to our Lord Jesus Christ.
me for a responsive reading. We're on page 862 in your hymnals, and it's number 30, To Live as Christ. I will do the worship leader, and you all together with Leslie do the worshipers. Page 862, number 30, To Live as Christ. But thanks be to God, who always puts us on display in Christ and spreads through us in every place the scent of knowing him. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life and by death. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, working side by side for the faith of the gospel. All right, we'll have you remain standing as we sing page 532, Higher Ground, and we're going to do the first, the second, and the last stanza. I made it. I know that uh, God is with you, right? Because you read the scripture that I was going to read this morning. But I noticed in the hymn night, 
the awesome God. You know, we serve an awesome God, don't we? He is so awesome, I lose myself sometimes. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this offering we're about to take. May you take and use it for your glory here in this community. May you also, Lord, use it in our world to help those who are need. Bless this offering. Bless the giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, I gave you a good report on Ruth uh, Stewart, and then on Monday, Cindy called me and told me that Ruth had had a setback. Uh, she has an infection that has caused a blockage, and she is much better, I think, 
now that once they discovered what the problem was. But she is still in the hospital. She is not transferred to autumn care. And Leo Seal has moved uh, to the um, uh, sheltering arms. So keep him in your prayers. And some of you know uh, Doris Tucker, who is a member here. And Doris, uh, I got a call on Thursday of last week that Doris's health is in decline and uh, had asked me to visit her at uh, Lucy Core, the facility she's in in Chesterfield County. So uh, I'm planning on doing that tomorrow. But remember, uh, Doris, in your prayers, uh, as she is uh, suffering with the effects of, uh, of uh, heart uh, failure. So we want to remember uh, her in our prayers this morning. And also, as Dwight has already told you, I wanted to mention the prayer guide to you again. Uh, it begins on Wednesday, which is a perfect day to begin in a Baptist church because that's our prayer meeting day. And so uh, even though we won't have prayer meeting on Wednesday night, uh, we do have prayer meeting on Wednesday morning this week. And um, we uh, want to start this on April, on April, August 1st. And I hope that you will follow along and read the scripture and pray. If we all pray together, the Lord can uh, hear us and we can listen to what he has to say to us. So a lot of thought and prayer went into this to get us to this point. I like the color. You can't misplace it, I don't think, if you put it in a, in a, a place where you are used to putting things. So please uh, take the time to um, read this each day beginning August 1st through the entire month uh, of August. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, as we bow in your presence today, we know that prayer works. You have shown us time and time again how your prayers, our prayers to you, make a difference in our church and in our lives. And so we're thankful, Father, for the gift of prayer, for the ability to call you Father and to talk to you. We pray, Father, for our church. We pray, Father, that you will work and minister through us in this place. That you will challenge us and encourage us and help us to discern your will. We are grateful, Father, for your word. For in your word we find power. We find strength. And we find hope. For those, Father, that we have mentioned this morning, we pray that you will bless them, bring healing to their bodies, give them strength. Whatever, Father, happens in their lives, we know that it is in accordance with your will. And so we pray to that end. We pray, Father, that you will work in their lives. Minister to them. Comfort them. Encourage them. For those, Father, who have lost loved ones, how difficult it is. For those who are anticipating the loss of loved ones, the pain sometimes is unbearable. I pray, Father, that you will help assuade their fears, their anxieties, their loneliness, their pain. We know, Father, that through your spirit, strength can be renewed and hope will spring everlasting. 
We are grateful, Father, for Bible school. It's an old, old tradition, Father, that still has a great deal of meaning because it gives us the opportunity to share together, to share with one another, to share with children the message of salvation. Help us, Father, as we enter into Bible school tonight to allow your spirit to lead us. We pray for the children who will come. We pray for those who will be working and ministering in your name. We pray, Father, that you will take this time and use it for your glory and for your kingdom. We're grateful, Father, for our missionaries. And we pray, Father, that as we pray for them, that their needs will be met. As they journey to places around the globe, we know, Father, that fear and anxiety can sometimes stand in the way. We pray for them. We pray for clarity in their message and in their speech. We're grateful, Father, for those who left us two weeks ago to go and to share in a place in another region. We pray for the church this morning in the Dominican Republic. Those churches that touched the lives of those who went and touched our lives as we heard about them. May we pray for them with meaning and purpose as you use them for your glory. We pray, Father, that as we continue in this service... That we will listen for a word from you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last Sunday night, when we gave our report on the Dominican Republic, I said that I went to the Dominican somewhat out of a sense of loneliness and knowing that God loved me enough that I needed to go and take that step of faith. Linda shared this song with me this week. I had forgotten about it. But you know what? In my desperate cry and the deepest part of loneliness I can have, I still have a Lord that I can call on and I can cry out to Him even when I can't verbalize it. Those people in the Dominican that we minister to, they don't have the ability to cry out to God because many of them don't know Him. So think of this prayer. Pray for those people. Pray for the people in our community that so desperately need the love of a Savior. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. You're 
This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. This is the air I breathe. This is the This is my daily bread, your very word spoken in me, and I'm, I'm desperate for you, and I'm
Our scripture reading this morning is found in Philippians chapter 3. As we set up for Bible school and game on, this is an appropriate passage from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ." And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Repeatedly, the Apostle Paul uses figures of speech from the athletic games of his day as a way of communicating the great truths of God. The people were familiar with boxing, and Paul talks in terms of giving a knockout blow to the evil impulses that would destroy us from within. Wrestling was a great sport among the Greeks. Paul refers to our conflict with the evil one in terms of a wrestling match. He says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle against principalities. He gives advice concerning how we must find our strength in the grace of God if we are to overcome the evil one who intends to pin our shoulders to the mat and destroy us. When Paul suffered the loss of all things for Christ... He was not giving up things until then counted evil or worthless. These were his former treasures and things prized most highly by his family and friends. He tells us of who he is in this passage of scripture. Hebrew among Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day. He gives his pedigree, his resume, if you will. But in the presence of Christ... All was reversed. His heights became abysmal. His assurance, lostness. His light, darkness. His plus, a minus. What became lost was not his former wickedness, keep in mind. But in his terms, his former goodness. 
In our text, Paul uses terms that are familiar to those who participate in track tournaments in describing the forward thrust and the persistent effort of those who desire to win heaven's approval for outstanding achievement in the kingdom of God. Paul tells us in this passage of Scripture as he writes to the Philippians, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul counted as refuse what he had trusted and cherished. Refuse translates a word for street sweepings, table scraps. By any interpretation, the term is one of contempt applied to his former assurance, his self-righteousness, and his zeal. After all, remember, he was the one who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. He persecuted the church of Christ at every attempt he made. He tried his best to stamp out Christianity at one point. Paul declares that the conversion experience is but the beginning, though, of God's destiny rather than its climax and conclusion. Paul had many achievements for which he could be proud and grateful for. Missionary journeys made, evangelistic success achieved, churches established, epistles written. But Paul said it was not enough. He had not attained. He was still pressing on. Paul was not filled with an attitude of self-satisfaction. Paul rejects outright any claim that he is already perfect because he says in this passage of Scripture that he is not perfected. Some at Philippi seem to suffer from the illusion that they are perfect. Not only is the ultimate goal of attaining the resurrection from the dead yet ahead, but even the goal attainable in this life is before him, not a past achievement. The race toward that goal has not been finished. There is no safety or wisdom in letting up, Paul said. To do so would be like a runner pulling up short of the finish line. He must press on, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This is the one thing upon which he concentrates. Paul was still learning. He was still serving. He was still worshiping. He was still pressing on, even though he wrote this letter from a prison cell. Paul understood that if we are to walk in the light of Christ, it is a daily walk, always moving forward for the sake of the gospel. The second thing that Paul tells us, though, is that we must forget the things which are behind. Paul calls attention to the fact that a successful track man must forget the past and pay no attention to the things at the right or the left if he would press toward the mark for the prize in the race today. By what lies behind Paul seems not to refer to his former Pharisaic values already given up as loss or refuge. He is referring to that part of the Christian course already run. He has not finished his race for Christ. He cannot rest on his laurels. Past achievements are not enough. There is no place to stop in a race yet unfinished. And Paul is saying to us today, as it echoes through the ages in the church, we are not finished. The goal toward which he continues to strive is the fulfillment of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Christ has laid hold upon Paul, calling him to a certain kind of existence. Paul's goal is to attain to the goal Christ has for him. Perfection is the goal, though unattained. It is his goal, however elusive it may be. But he is equally concerned to avoid the illusion of actual attainment of the goal. You see, the moment we are satisfied is the moment we begin to decline. We can never be satisfied with who we are or where we are in our walk with Christ. It is a daily walk with Him. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must take up your cross daily and walk with me. The burdens are always there. Some need to forget the success of the past. Some need to forget the failures of the past. All need to forget the grievances of the past. All need to forget the fears of the past and move forward. Many things must be forgotten if we want to reach forth to the things that are before us. In 1986, Bob Brindley was playing third base for the San Francisco Giants. In the fourth inning of a game against the Atlanta Braves, Brindley made an error on a routine ground ball. Four batters later, he kicked away another grounder. And then while he was scrambling after the ball, he threw wildly past home plate, trying to get the runner out there. He made two errors on the same play. A few minutes later... He muffed yet another play to become the first player in the 20th century to make four errors in one inning. Now those of us who have made very public errors in one situation or another can easily imagine how he felt during the long walk off the field at the end of that inning. But in the bottom of the fifth, Brindley hit a home run. Then in the seventh, he hit a bases-loaded single, driving in two runs and tying the game. Then in the bottom of the ninth, Brindley came up to bat again with two outs. He ran the count to three and two and then hit a massive home run into left field seats to win the game for the Giants. Brindley's scorecard for that day came to three hits in five at-bats, two home runs, four errors, four runs driven in, including the game winner. Life is like that, isn't it? A mixture of hits and errors. And there's grace in life, which means that you will always have another chance. Grace won't exactly remove the errors, but it will give you a chance to make up for them. Paul puts it like this, Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Because in his divine forbearance, Jesus has passed over former sins. Jesus forgives. We have trouble forgiving ourselves. Paul's past certainly could have haunted him. But he allowed Christ to use him in the here and now. Even the apostle himself made a lot of errors in his life. He was a Pharisee, the ultimate enemy of Jesus, the feared and hated persecutor of the early disciples. He had systematically attempted to destroy the church by annihilating his members, and we'll look at that in my class tonight. 
But Jesus found him and turned him around and set him on a new course, building a church in which the forgiveness of Christ was offered to everyone, no membership test, no lines of birth or race or accomplishment, a church for people who had made errors. In fact, Jesus spent most of his time with people who had made errors. People who had gone over for 4 in life. People who had often dropped the ball. Losers, we might call them. Uneducated fishermen. Prostitutes. People afflicted with unpleasant diseases and mental disorders. Tax collectors. Adulterers. The outcasts. The poor. The unacceptable. And the lost. Jesus said even, I came to seek and to save the lost. And Paul took that to heart. And he said, I'm going to forget about the past. Because it's in the past. And I'm going to concentrate on what Jesus can do in my life today. That's all we're given, isn't it? We can't change the errors of the past. And oh, we've made them. I've made them. You've made them. We all have made them. Paul acknowledged something that is difficult for us to acknowledge. Paul said, I'm not perfect. I have not attained perfection. But yet he said, the third point, I press toward the mark for the prize. Possibly goal and prize are two ways of expressing the same thing. In Paul's day, the prize, usually a wreath, awaited one at the finish line. But goal was not a technical term for the end of a race. The goal or prize toward which Paul strives is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He probably means not his call as an apostle, but his call as a, to discipleship. The calling which he shares with all God's people. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us all Christians are saints by calling. In ancient Greece... To be a victor in the games was to achieve great success. A city took great pride in the fact that one of its citizens was the victor in the great games. And we do today as well, right? If we have an Olympic athlete that excels in a sport, he gets all kinds or she gets all kinds of endorsements, doesn't she? And if she's really fortunate or he's really fortunate, he ends up on the Wheaties box. We find a way to honor our athletes, don't we? Statues were erected in honor of these victors. Banquets were held to honor them. And songs were sung concerning them. To be the winner of an Olympic crown became the ultimate in human happiness. But the heavenly prize to which Paul refers is not to be identified with eternal salvation. To be converted and to receive the crown of God's approval and commendation are two entirely different things. The heavenly prize is not to be expected as a normal thing for every believer, but it must be something for which he earnestly strives. Paul said so, didn't he, when he wrote to Timothy? I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Therefore there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who love His appearing. 
The heavenly prize will not be equal for each one. Instead, it will be given according to our faithfulness, to our opportunities. How many opportunities have passed us by? The church provides opportunities of service and evangelism and we sit back and allow others to do the work. We are given opportunities. Paul is saying, I don't care about your past. I care about what you can do today. The heavenly prize is not won by human ingenuity, but by the power which grace makes available to faith. The heavenly prize will not be given to the self-satisfied, but only to those that are striving to reach God's high and holy call for their lives as His children. Are you pressing toward the mark for the prize of God's high calling for your life? We are not in competition with others in our quest to do what God would have us to do, because God has a plan for each of us. The problem is when we become self-satisfied, we fail to listen for that plan. In Christ, the scorekeeper cancels the errors, gives the losers another chance, a new start, a new beginning. Jesus looks past the errors to the possibilities of the future. With God, it's not over till it's over. Nothing is finished until God is finished with it. No one is finished until God has completed them. One of the chances that we all get in life is the chance to make errors and all of us do that to some extent and some more than others but with Christ we are always we always have another chance we always have the possibility of a comeback God's love is always seeking us always following us always overlooking the errors and giving us still another inning still another chance to seek Him Conversion is a radical break with the past. It is a beginning and a goal, but it is known in one's lifetime as a process. Paul could write of those who are perishing and of us who are being saved in 1 Corinthians in this way, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Hear that. Isn't that the kind of world we live in? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It was foolishness to those who watched Noah build the ark, wasn't it? But Paul goes on to say, but to us who are being saved, hear that? Being saved, it is the power of God. If we would hear his commendation and if we would achieve his goal for our lives, we must hasten with all diligence. We must concentrate on the doing of his will. We must not hesitate or pause. We must be careful lest we stumble. We live in a world that has the need for resumes, don't we? And we see what happens to people who get caught cheating on their resume, right? When they're found out, they're usually dealt with. If you're going to a new job, you need a resume. In college, they will teach you how to write a resume. A resume is nothing more than a list of achievements. 
It is a document that you hand to someone to show all the things you have learned, all the experiences you have, and all the abilities you have mastered. In high school and college, you're encouraged to accomplish certain activities and sign up for certain things so that you can put it on your resume. Churches who are looking for a preacher ask for a resume to give to the congregation for consideration, don't they? We are a world that revolves around our list of achievements. The resume idea is not an American thing, but a human thing. The Apostle Paul is dealing with people who are stuck in their list of accomplishments. In particular, these Christians have a very big feather in their cap of accomplishments. These people lived in Philippi. One of the powerful rights these people had was that they were Roman citizens. So Paul wants to remind them of something about their resume in regards to being a Christian. And in so doing, he reminds us as well, forget the things of the past. They don't matter. What matters is today. Some of you knew I went to ride a train on Friday. I like riding trains. You all know that. Someone even called me Sheldon from Big Bang. And I don't know what they said, but I'm talking about the smart side. So I said, okay, I'll take that as a compliment. So we journeyed to Cumberland, Maryland on Thursday evening and rode a train from Cumberland to Frostburg. Cumberland, Maryland to Frostburg. The Frostburg State University is in Frostburg, and those of you who are Redskin fans know that the Redskins used to train in Frostburg after they left Carlisle before they came to Richmond. So that's kind of what Frostburg's known for. We got to the end of the line in Frostburg. Never seen this before. It was a good experience for me on the train. It was a diesel engine, one engine, pulled seven cars. And when we got to the end, the real treat was the train uh, engine had to go onto a turntable and be completely turned around and then hooked to the front of the train. And turntables are an expensive endeavor. You don't see them very often uh, in, out like that. And so I, I've got a film of it if you want to see it. The train pulled on. All the safety checks were made. And next thing you know, the engine started to revolve around on that track and you could hear the scraping of the rails as it turned. And then the horn sounded, the bell started to ring, and the train pulled off to hook to the front, which was the new front of the train. And I thought about that in relationship to this sermon. That's exactly what Paul doesn't want us to do. He never wants us to think that we have reached the end of the line and we have to turn and go back. He wants us always to forget what was behind, not relive it, not recount it, move forward. Always pressing toward the mark. Christ is our Savior, but He is also our leader. We are to look to Him for leadership, inward strength and assistance. We are to trust Him for His abiding presence with us at all times, for the glory of God, for the good of others, and for the fulfillment of our own lives. Each of us should continue to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we attempt to do in weeks like this in Bible school. Keep telling the story. So that a new generation can hear. 
And a new generation can move forward. We all live with past mistakes, don't we? But Paul said, forget those things. You can be effective for the Lord no matter what your past. And he showed us that time and time again in the Gospels, didn't he? Jesus showed us. Remember the woman we talked about a couple of weeks ago, caught in the act of adultery. What did Jesus say to her? Where are those who condemn you? And she said, they're gone. And he said, I'm not going to condemn you. We can say, he was saying, I'm not going to condemn you for your past. You move forward. Walking in the light of Christ. And he says the same to us. The question is, are we willing to do it? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for the power of your word, for the boldness of Paul, who has shown us so clearly the way forward. Help us, Father, to forget the past, to forget the mistakes and the burdens of the past, and to concentrate on what we can do today for the Lord. Speak to our hearts. Help us to turn our eyes toward you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 413. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what Paul was doing. Constantly striving to be what he ought to be. And I'm telling you, when I prepared for tonight, you will find this so complimentary to what we talked about today in terms of what Paul, as a Pharisee, had to forget. Because he was quite the persecutor. And yet, Christ changed him and used him. And he can do the same for us if we will give our hearts to him. Will you stand as we sing?
thank you for being a part of this service today, and I hope that you will come back for Bible school tonight. Uh, there's a class for everyone. Registration will take place, as I was whispering to uh, Dwight, to make sure it's in the uh, breezeway here. And remember, the opening uh, ceremony takes place in here at 6. My class meets in the John Bryant room. Everybody else's class will be in the uh, Family Life Center, correct? Isn't that right? Except for music. Except for music stays here. Okay, well, they'll get them to where they need to be. So anyway, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, we had 86 in the first service today, so uh, we uh, worshiped together there, and I'm glad that you are part of this service today. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we depart today, we do so recognizing that we have a story to tell, and you have shown us the way forward. May we, Father, always press forward for the sake of the gospel, the gospel that has saved us and that can save the world. Bless us, Father, as we leave today, ever mindful of your grace and your love shown to us through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <laughs>